0: from the streets of Cincinnati. Welcome to the... Earn our stripes, you know We can got-
1: welcome to the show this is sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trinople and as always i bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of them who they love and Bengals, who kick off this sunday i cannot wait i can't think of a season i've been more excited about than this one it's been a while but let's get to the channels that you might be watching me on if you're watching me on youtube or excuse me if you're watching me on facebook if you're watching me on twitter do me a favor go to the youtube channel sports with strawberry ice hit that bell for notification hit the button for subscription and every time i go live you'll be notified now if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up one i'm up to 1,357 subscribers that is awesome I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now I'm coming to you from the ice cave and the ice cave is brought to you by T properties, T properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. So like I said before, we got the season kicking off. We had the bucks and the Cowboys last night. Mrs. Ice was excited. She stayed up and watched the whole game. I didn't, I had to go to work. It was the Bengals. I would have stayed up and watched it, but she got, They got to win. She's happy. I'm happy. She's happy. That's cool. But now we'll get to the real, the real team, the Bengals. They're playing Sunday. So I had to go to the man. Let's get get to Joe Goodberry. Let's talk some Bengals. Joe, what's going on, man?
2: How's it going, man? I'm I'm excited to be here. Not only to, uh, you know, be on your show again, but, but because the season started, here we go.
1: Heck yeah. I like it. I, I, I'm so fired up. Like I said, I think the last time I was just fired up was probably Carson Palmer's second year in 05. I was, and, and I kind of really think that this team is a lot like that one. I think we can be a, a very potent offense. And I think this, this defense could be very opportunistic. I don't know if you think I'm crazy or not, but I, I think it's a, there's a lot of comparable uh, items to, to 05 team to the 2021 team.
2: No, I think you're right. And not only because, uh, of you know Carson Palmer being in a second year starting and the team really going eight and eight the last two years you felt like man they're real close to to taking that next step and maybe that's the big difference right is that like we kind of were like already expecting them to take that step this would be more of a surprise I think nationally but even still I mean people back then were still saying oh it's the Bengals they're not going to win they're not going to do it and then they came out and they were just lighting teams on fire right and you know I do think that comparable could stick and I think that is what gets me excited is that. Man, there is a chance. I mean, you know, I think the the fan base last year, remember how excited we were to watch Joe Burrow, watch this team? You know, we're getting this guy from LSU that just lit the whole college football season on fire. We want that. We want that personality. We want that attitude at our quarterback position. Now it seems kind of more subdued because he got hurt. I mean, we're still excited, but it's kind of like, oh, man, I hope he's still the same guy. There's still a little breath of that under the excitement. But there's a chance he comes out and he's even better and he's right. good and he's healthy and he's strong and he's Joe Burrow and he's year two Joe Burrow. I mean, it, that gets you excited again. It gets, starts to make you think, yeah, if he's that good, how different is this team? How good can they be offensively? Uh, you're right, though. I mean, I, in terms of excitement, I mean, people are like, what about the 13, 14, 15 rosters that were really, really good? But it was kind of like. You know, there was always the other shoe waiting to drop. Remember that right. it was like, yeah. they need to win. They have to win. We put pressure on this mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. You guys need to win a playoff game. This is crazy. The rosters are good. The coaching staffs are loaded with future coaches. It was almost like by the time they got to 2015, even though that was their best team, we were like, all right, man, put up or shut up. We're tired yeah. of hearing it. Right. And I mean, they weren't even selling out a few games because of that. So the excitement is is comparable to 05 more than it is to those uh, early teen years. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I'll say, too,
1: is is because I always try to, to defend the Bengals in the in the national narrative. And I, I've kind of put it to, to like people like this, like if Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt last year, there's a very good chance the Bengals are very close to 500 yeah. with the teams that they had. And in my mind, if that happens, then the national narrative is like, oh, OK, well, well, they're eight and eight in Joe's rookie year. OK, well, you know, then they can make the jump just like they did. You know, and, and with Carson Palmer and Marvin, you know, and in Carson's first year, they went eight and eight, and then they went what eleven and five, I think it was the oh five season. So that's where I think the national narrative gets twisted. They're like, Well, you guys only won four games. I'm like, Yeah, but if Joe Burrow is our quarterback for the rest of them, we win a lot more than, than four. So yeah. that's where that's where I think we make that jump. And I'm with you. I think Joe Burrow is gonna be even better than he was because he's gonna have the whole playbook and everything is open to him. He's going to be able to audible. It's his, he's been doing a lot of stuff under center uh, more this year. Last year was a lot from shotgun. So they're going to be able to change a lot of stuff up. So I think they're going to surprise some people. The one thing that I am worried about, I'm, I'm less, less worried about it. The closer we get to the season is, is the defense. And I'll put it to you this way. I think Lou has the best, talent to do what he wants the schemes he wants to run he has the guys who have bought in which is a big key and are actually able to do what he wants to do more than he's had the last couple years plus how much money they spent on that defense you know for that's the most they probably ever spent on a defense so what's your thoughts on Lou and the defense
2: yeah when you look at the cap percentage that the Bengals spend it's number three in the league now in terms of on on defense so they should be Decent. At the very least, it's kind of crazy that we're only hoping for like an average defense, <laughs> right, right? How much they have spent, but they really haven't put any draft picks there. It's yeah. just the Bates and, and Sam Hubbard only. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have brought in and handpicked these guys from all around the league that you're going to pay more to because you're signing them as free agents. And you're hoping it can mix together melt together and form a, a cohesive unit. Uh and, and you're hoping it's quickly without one of your big guys and, and, and Trey Waynes that they signed. So, uh, you know, at least week one, hopefully he's back week. two, Ho- hopefully, three. Yeah, hopefully that's it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think the you're right though. He, Lou Anarumo has tried to get some of these other guys out of there. The Bengals don't typically release veterans too quickly or too early. You know, I think a normal franchise may have just cut a lot of these guys in 2018 to, or after 2018 into 2019 and just started fresh then. And it's kind of actually been a two year process to get rid of the Carlos Dunlaps and the Geno Atkins, the AJ Greens. For I mean, these are franchise greats, right? Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. But franchises would have traded them away for something and got something for them or released them. I mean, that's just how it goes. Uh, so it's nothing against them, but right. The, the point is, it took them two years to get to where okay, now I've got players that will buy into my system, and I am 100% with you on that's a key element to playing defense in the NFL. You can't have Right. Let's just say William Jackson not buying in completely and not Probably doing exactly eye. right and not doing yeah. exactly what you need because right. the defense will fall apart. It is a yeah. it, your defense is as good as the entire unit, and if you got a couple weak links, offenses will exploit them. Uh, so, I do think the floor has been raised on defense. I just don't know if Lou Ayn Ramos' vision is good. All right, right, we don't know yet. Because that, it, that, that's my worry right there. That's where my, I'm at. Like if you're a great artist and you paint your vision and everyone goes and goes, yeah, that, that vision sucks. So it's not, <laughs> You're a great artist, but the, the vision ain't there. Right. I mean, that could be an outcome. And that, that's when we come back and say, okay, uh, the offense scored points this year. Then it won enough games. Defense was terrible again. And we've got to make changes on that side. And that's just a scenario. Let's, that might be a, the negative scenario because they have spent money. This is year three. If Lou and was over his head the last couple of years, maybe now he's finally getting into it and he's he's ready to take that next step. And they have a new D line coach and Marion Hobby that's got a lot of experience around this league, so maybe you can get a little more out of them that than we've been able to get the last couple of years out of this defensive line.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and the the big the the big thing that's going to hurt. Now we've we've made it through preseason relatively healthy, except for Joseph Osai, and that one. It hurts It hurts more and more the more I think about it. As good as he was in that first game against Tampa, and I know it's preseason, but still, that was – he flashed a lot in that game and just potential of what could have been. Now you have Darian Hodge, who is part of the the solution. I don't know if he's – I doubt he's the complete solution because he is an undrafted free agent. But that's the part that that scares me is is our edge because – our secondary is what it is. I think in as a whole, it's better, except for obviously trained Trey Wayne's playing would be nice, but they have to get pressure on the quarterback for all this to work, and that's where I think the J- Joseph Osai injury is really, really big because I don't know who else they have. I mean, obviously, they have Sam Hubbard, who's he's okay at you know, Patrice, he's more of a run defense. Yeah, Trey Henderson. But you need some more edge guys, and that—that's one thing where I was hoping to find somebody, you know, somewhere, a uh, trade or something. Like they got the uh, BJ Hill from the Giants with the three tech, which that's good. Still got that edge. That's—that's that's the part I'm worried about.
2: Yeah, and I don't think you can undersell the Joseph Asai injury. Um... I thought he was their best draft pick. And and I'm not saying that he's a better player than Jamar Chase. I just mean in terms of getting a guy at tremendous value that I thought could have gone in the first round. If it had Joseph Osai go in the end of the first round, I'd have said, okay, that makes sense to me. And so he was still there for you at the top of the third. They get him. I'm like, here you go. There's your other edge guy. Because we know Sam Hubbard is a great run defender on the edge. They kick him inside mostly at defensive tackle. And it would have been Hendrickson and Osai, two really good athletes with a lot of energy. The high motors would have come around and at least caused some chaos on the, on the outside edge. Uh They now don't have that. And now I, I assume Hubbard's going to play more defensive end. get a lot of snaps there. He did last year too, when Dunlap was right. after Dunlap was right. traded. So mm-hmm. he can do it. Uh, it's not where he's at his best and he's not ideal for what you want there, but he'll have to do it because I think when they traded Billy price, I'm sure they would have loved to have gotten an edge rusher. They're just not there. You can't get, you know, it's hard to get those guys that are, actually going to come in and actually play for you. It would have been just a depth piece that maybe gets a few snaps a game. So I think they said, okay, we've got an opportunity to upgrade the interior of this defensive line. BJ Hill his rookie year at five and a half sacks. I mean, this is a guy that can apply pressure, has a a good pass rush win rate in terms of the rest of the league. So I think he can help you. I just don't know how quickly they're going to start folding him into the snaps. Cause I think, I think him and Ogunjobi could probably split their snaps 50, 50. I think they're very comparable players. Uh, And if that's the case, I think you can get a, a much deeper interior defensive line this year. Yeah, I think Larry
1: Ogajobi is going to have a breakout year because from everything that I've read, and, and he was misused in Cleveland. And from what I've seen in the preseason, and again, I always say it's preseason, so yeah, take it with a grain of salt. But he's been a beast, and he he's actually him and DJ Reader, I think have gotten more pressure up the middle on the quarterback than I anticipated them doing. So if that actually follows through to, to the regular season, that'll help the lack of Joseph or being on the edge and won't let the quarterback step up. So hopefully, uh, Trey Henderson and, 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 uh, maybe Cam sample, he's got to step up too. He, he sure. had a big, uh, he played a lot in the last preseason game. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know people were worried about him with his health, but he could be a guy that, that could step up. And again, what's your thoughts on Darius Hodge? I'm very, very interested in his story and, and where he came from and what can we, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he he sh- he can he should or can replace Joseph Osai, but I think he could be a, a good third down pass rusher, at least for us right now.
2: He has a lot of intriguing um, traits, and he right. has a great get-off. He can bend around the edge. Uh, he can provide some pressure from the outside just on being the the guy he is. Um, and I thought even he, he showed a few different moves be, between a long arm and a, and a back inside rip move and, and things that, you know, can get him around the corner and then counteract a good offensive lineman now I I wonder if they're gonna, how much they're going to use him like if it's obvious passing situations where you don't need two defensive tackles out there maybe Hubbard still kicks inside and that's where you bring Hodge on in on the edge maybe that's 10 snaps a game or something uh I, I'm wondering like there's I've seen the comparison of maybe he's our Vontaze Perfect this year our undrafted guy that's really good he looked really good in preseason. Perfect was. Should have been a first round. Yeah, that's what I was Perfect would have been a first round pick if he yeah. wasn't such a jackass in college. <laughs> exactly. He he fell off the map on his own. Right, right. It, the other comparison is remember when they had to start Damian Willis at wide receiver that that week one versus the, the Seahawks? Because right. they, they were like, Oh, he's had a real good camp. He's but he you know, he did this, he did that. Um, and then he starts and like we're like, I don't think this guy can get open at all in the NFL. Right. Yeah, and exactly. So I don't want that situation. And then right. like those may be two opposite ends of the spectrum. Maybe he's somewhere in between a guy that can just help you out. Maybe he's like an Emmanuel Lemur undrafted yeah. guy. That's That's an athlete that you can find a way to get in um, some production in this league. And and they could use that. Uh, I just, you know, I, I'm hopeful, but I'm mostly just
1: intrigued. Yeah. That's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm definitely intrigued. I, I want to see what what the ki- kid can do. Cause I've been impressed with what he's done in the preseason and stuff. And and the Bengals have actually, in their history, they're pretty good at finding undrafted free agents. No matter you know everybody says they don't have a big enough scouting department, and they don't do enough of this, but they find a lot of guys that other teams haven't. You know, and now sometimes in the past, there's a lot of you know guys had lacking character or whatever. But uh, but as far as this coach's staff goes and stuff, they don't. They're not drafting guys like that. I mean, they're drafting a lot of a lot of team captains and stuff like that. So I don't think we have to worry about that with with this team, but it, it is a very intriguing thing. of what's, what's going on with that. But the other thing I'll bring up is, uh, especially this Sunday, <laughs> you got Justin Jefferson. Trey Waynes is going to be on him. Well, now he's
2: not. Now you got Eli Apple. How do you feel about that? Cause Justin Jefferson's he's pretty good. It was advantage Vikings anyway, even if Waynes was out there. True, right? true. Yes. You know, you feel good about those. Today's league is offensive-oriented. Those guys off, – good receivers are going to beat good corners. I mean, unless you have the rare Daryl Revis and Richard Sherman in their prime. And I just – I'm not even sure there's those guys in the league right now. There, I'm not, there's really not that many right. shut-down corners, right. Depth at corner is taking a hit, I think, around the league as a whole. Uh, there's, I mean, you go look at, like, the Cardinals depth chart, and if you can name one of their corners, then – I'll give you a dollar. But uh it was it, Patrick. It, <laughs> it was. was one of them. It's that bad this year that there's right. I just don't even know who they're rolling out there. Right. Whereas the the Vikings more went and got a bunch of free agents that we know, guys like Mackenzie Alexander, Patrick Peterson, who everyone knows. So the the Bengals, where are they at in this? Wayne's and Adobe uh Awuzie. if they can be decent, you would take that. And now I think Mike Hilton is a good slot guy. I just don't know how many times he's going to be on the field versus the Vikings that played three wide receivers less than any team in the league. Right. They're not going to let Mike Hilton get on the field. And you're taking one of their better and, and prize free agents, I think, off that off that team unless the Bengals get creative and find a way to get him out there, even against a, a two wide receiver set. So it was advantage Vikings either way. Now it's a big advantage. Now I you know Eli Apple. Being a former first rounder, Ohio State, Luan Rumo is there when he was drafted with the Giants, he's been a pretty much disaster yeah, everywhere he's gone. I mean, he really hasn't been able to cover too much. Yes, he gives you talent and experience and some depth, but we don't want to be at that depth already in week one. We you know, what like right. we were looking at this corner room from last year. We had guys like LaShawn Sims playing, and we're like, hey, we can't do this anymore. Right. And they got to get some more depth. And then they get Eli Apple They're like great, I feel better about that. So if he has to play at least that. And here we are week one already. You know, I, this is something you'd, you'd rather see for a few snaps a game, if anything. So, right. I think the Bengals have to say, okay, how are we going to play defense? then? it changes the way you play the entire thing because these receivers can beat you, Adam Thielen being the other one. Uh, I think they're going to play the safeties back. I think they're going to play like a cover two shell and say, okay, Ouzier and Apple, you're going to take your sides. You're going to cover your guy. You're going to have safety help. Do the best you can but that means you're not bringing an eighth guy into the box to defend against Delvin cook in this run game. Mm -hmm. You guys better buck up and defend the run and play your gaps and be sound. I think that's what they're going to rely on and say, all right, this, how much money we spent on this defensive line. Uh, There's not much there at linebacker though. So we'll have to see how these young guys play in terms of uh, not much there in terms of uh, resources and money spent. So I think they're going to say, okay, this D line's got to win. And against the Vikings unit offensive line, that is arguably worse than the Bengals. I think that gets us a little more uh in the positive range.
1: Yeah, and I, I like what you're saying. Is, is you know, put your put your money where his mouth is. They put the money in, in DJ Reader and Larry Ogan the last two years. We brought him in here to stop the run. So that that game plan sounds good to me. If I what one that would drive me nuts last year watching watching the defense, and I don't know how many times I'd watch the game on TV and I'd see the cornerback back up and back up and back up almost all the way out of the screen. I'm like, Dude, you gotta you gotta get closer. So I'm hoping the the corners play up a little bit more. I don't understand why they did it last year, but it was still very frustrating to watch. But let's get to the thing that everybody keeps talking about, and it's Jamar Chase and his drops. And I think it was I think he said it like three days ago, but the internet blew up yesterday about oh Jamar Chase says. He needs a white striped ball, and the ball is a different size, and this is why he can't catch. And I'm telling people, going, no, he was asked a question. You know, right. why? What? What's the difference? It's just the same thing as he said when when at minicamp when they asked me first got drafted. You know, what's the biggest difference? He said, well, it's kind of hard to. I got used to the hash
2: marks. Hash marks are different from college to pro. Yep. I, I don't know about you. I'm not worried about his drops. Yeah. I I am not worried. I mean, this yeah. is a guy who caught 80 balls, 1600 yards, 20 touchdowns. We have enough tape and enough history of watching him be very, very good with good hands. Uh, I'm not worried about it at all. I think, in the here's the thing we just are coming off John Ross. So it makes some fans oh, a little bit nervous.
1: People have, have compared to, to on my show here. It goes, oh, he's in there, John Ross. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Like, serious. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but that, that narrative, that question drove me nuts. I'm like, you got to get out of here with that. You got to be kidding me.
2: Right, so your your reaction is basically how I was also when people say that, and right. I, you know, so when I, I and I try to understand why are people reacting this way, and it's a little bit of fear, it's a little bit of, oh here we go again type thing, and I I get it, but let's look at the differences between Ross and Chase. Uh, Ross always had a little bit of an issue with his hands, even in college. I mean, he his hands were fine, but he would rather cradle a ball. He would double catch at times. He didn't have the biggest hands, and he had short arms as as well as Chase does. Uh, but difference being is remember Ross's first game, he didn't get a catch. He got an end around that he ran for 12 yards and fumbled and they pulled him out. I mean, from the very beginning, right. They, he had a short leash on him. And I think that is going to be the biggest difference between Ross and chase. And maybe that was because Ross couldn't handle it behind the scenes. When we didn't know this. Right. And they the Bengals. are Like we got to get him out of the game, but it doesn't seem like Jamar chase has that issue at all. And I don't think they're going to shy away of, go- even if the first pass they give him, he drops. He's going to get five more balls this week. He may get more than that. And all it takes is one big play. If you watch the Cowboys-Bucks game last night, mm-hmm. there was drop balls all over. Yes, I mean, from was. Chris Godwin to Antonio Brown to um, uh, Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb dropped a couple. Yes. And C.D. Lamb had nine drops last year. I think he was second in the league. And he was a very, very good rookie receiver, and I think he's going to still be good. Drops aren't – if you want to, like, list offensive bad plays, holdings – false starts, fumbles, interceptions, sacks, drops are after all of that. Because right. you can, unless it's on third down, you got another play to make a big play. And I think Jamar Chase is going to have plenty of those this year. Even if he ends up with eight drops or something this year, he's going to have a lot of big plays because they're going to keep going to him. And I think that's the big difference.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I could agree with you more. I, they, they are going to keep going to him. But to be honest, I mean, people ask me on, on the show here, like you think uh, Chase is going to have – you know the best year out of the, out of the three wide receivers, and I keep saying no. I think T Higgins is going to be the one who's going to be the breakout star. I think he, no, I mean, he was a, a breakout last year, his rookie year, but I, I think he's going to be be the 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 main. Well, I don't even know, I won't even say the main because I don't really know if we're going to have a main wide receiver. I right. think it's to be it's two x two x wide receivers. Is what I think, but I do think I think T might end up with more yardage or more touchdowns or somewhere around there.
2: Yeah, if I were to say receptions, I would think it'd be Boyd. If I were to say yards, I would bet on Higgins. And I would bet on touchdowns for Higgins as well because of his body type. And Mm -hmm. they used him in the red zone every time they got down there last year. You know, for the games he played to end up with with the amount of touchdowns and looks even in the red zone, I thought he could have ended up with 10 touchdowns on it if a few of those balls he would have caught himself, actually. There was a few contested situations where, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Clemson T. Higgins and maybe a year two T. Higgins would come down with. So I, I do think... Chase may come in third in all of those categories, but that doesn't mean it, it's it's going to – Yeah, right, because yeah. I mean, I think you might get 90 catches out of Boyd, 85 out of Higgins, right. if that means – because remember, it's 17 games this year. Right. And so if Jamar ends up with 75 catches, I don't think that's crazy at all. No. I think that's what they expect to do. You look at how much they actually throw to the running backs and tight ends, it is way behind the receivers. I mean, in terms of how their percentage of throws to receivers versus the rest of the league, they're near the top. So, they're going to feed the ball to these receivers. All three last year had 100 plus targets. I think we're going to see that again.
1: So, that brings you to the next thing. And some people think I'm I'm a little nuts with this, but I think Joe Mixon, one, I think he's going to have his best best year ever. But I think he has a shot to get close or close or at least get to 2,000 total yards from scrimmage. And I I mean, rushing and pass catching because he's going to be the third down, every down back. And he's got some pretty good hands. I mean, I watched a couple uh, games last year, re-watched a couple games last year, and I didn't pay attention to how good of a, a pass catcher he is. But he's good at it, and he's he's getting better at his route running. What's your thoughts on uh, Joe, Joe Mixon, what, what kind of year he's going to have?
2: I'm high on Mixon's potential this year, and it's because of that. It's because he's finally getting passing game duties. I mean, mm-hmm. there was how many times last year, or in the last few years, where it's – and I love Giovanni Bernard. Like, that was one of my favorite players. He was yes. a tremendous pass protector – his hands were just good. His, his running after the catch is just okay. And you know, they, he wasn't making guys miss. He was traditionally near the bottom of the league and forcing missed tackles a, as a running back. Um, so he wasn't breaking off a lot of big plays. He was just a, a real steady, reliable, really good player to have on your team. But what it means is you don't have Joe Mixon out there because of it. And it could, this could be in two minute drills coming down at halftime, trying to score. It could be a third down. It could be a, a random first and second down that they need to throw in and, and they need the running back to pass protect. So there's a lot of plays Mixon was not out on the field. And because of it, I mean, I've gone back and looked at his Oklahoma tape, and Mixon was a dynamic receiver. I think he will be that. And, and his amount of um, making guys miss and turning regular catches in the big plays was almost double what Giovanni Bernard offered in terms of uh, the data and what the analytics say. I think that can only be a positive if they're going to keep going to him and do that more often. Maybe that means less carries, though. Right. But I'm okay with that. Less carries, more catches. Maybe you get some of those carries to Samaj P. Ryan. Remember again, 17 game year mm-hmm. running backs, even in 16 game year, average about 14 games per season. Right. So now you may be looking at three games you're gonna need Samaj P. Ryan to carry the load. I think you may want to space that out and, and stretch it out. And maybe that, like I said, maybe we only get to 220 carries for Mixon. And maybe that means 50, 60, 70 catches. Uh, I don't think that's what's that's wild. I think that's your best path to
1: having a good offense. So what, where do you think that leaves uh, Captain America, Chris Evans? Where do you think that leaves him in, in the mix here? Is he going to get a lot of uh, opportunities? Because, I mean, he's another guy. He, I call him Geo 2.0. You can put him in a slot. He can receive. He can do bubble screens. He can run. You know, yeah. what, I think there's a
2: lot they can do with him. What's what, what your thoughts on Chris? I think he'll have a role. I just the I think he's probably the worst pass protector out of Mixon, P. Ryan, and then, and, and then Chris Evans. He might even be behind Travion Williams. Uh, so I wonder if they're going to say, okay, we'll get him in the game. It may be for obvious passing situations where we plan on splitting them out wide. I wouldn't right. be surprised he ran as many routes uh, from split out wide as he does from the backfield in the start of his career. I'm, and in fact, calling a shot, I think he's going to get a, a one ball, one deep ball out of a wide receiver alignment in week one. If not, then it's going to be week two. I think they have shown it enough in preseason and in camp that I think it's going to be a part of their offense. They think they can exploit because Normally running backs cannot run downfield and track a ball like that. You know, you want to give it to him short, let him run, let him make a guy miss. He can actually track a deep ball, which is rare. And if you can get that on a linebacker or a safety, those guys cannot track a deep ball. So you're going to have the advantage there. you just got to place it well and let him get a chance to, to run under it. And he did that in that Dolphins game, uh, the last uh, final preseason game. And I think when when they did that, and we've saw, seen clips of him doing it in camp, I, I think that's a strong indicator that they have a clear role for him. Yeah. I mean, I know uh, the guy, your,
1: your former podcast, the guys on a uh, locked on Bengals are actually, they were talking about uh, James and Jake. They were talking about when they had the roster come out that, they, that they're wondering if they would actually put Chris Evans as wide receiver, you know, just so they could keep Trayvon Williams or somebody else on, on the roster as a running back that that's how good of a route runner and, and potential wide receiver slash running back at Chris Evans is like you said, tracking the balls and all that stuff. So, that was I don't know how I don't know if the Bengals, I'm sure the Bengals were thinking that but I don't know how uh, viable option that was but that was an option they were talking about doing
2: yeah especially what that day when they had to cut Mike Thomas and get down the five wide receivers for a little bit right. until they could put guys on IR so it was like a two hour window there where we're like well okay what are they missing this, yeah. this is a team that like spread it out and play with at least three wide receivers so you you want to have that depth and I thought well maybe they. Could use Chris Evans there if they need to right. there, as an emergency guy, and I wonder if we'll see that a little bit during uh, the year if, if an injury happens. Yeah, we might. Now, now speaking of
1: the uh, the practice squad and and the I have it. I hope they get him back. And and it's it's funny how much I've talked about kickers this year, but the the punter from Ohio State, uh, uh, Drew Chr- Chrisman. I think I'm saying his name right. I know they had to release him. I'm really hoping they can get him back because I think he can be our potential punter. For for next year, because I Kevin, I love Kevin Huber, but he's you know been over ten years, you know getting older. That kid's got a leg. I don't know. I know they normally don't keep honors on on practice squads, but that was their their intention. Um, is there any room to get him
2: back on the practice squad or cause that shows how much I know about the practice squad. Cause I know it, it's expanded this year. That's right. Yeah. It's been expanded now since COVID hit. So last year and this year, you can call guys up, uh, up to twice a year before you have to sign them to a contract. So there's a lot of fluidity, a lot of flexibility. I think it's something the players and the teams like, um, I just—I don't know if I've ever seen a punter on a practice squad. To be honest, that's what
1: I can remember now. Right? <laughs> I mean, not
2: just the Bengals. Like, I started thinking, like, man, is that the team do that? Or do they have to? Win? It's not like a kicker. You see kicker once right. in a while because you don't want them to get poached and you want to train them. And especially if you got like a Darren Simmons that is known for helping fix some some kickers, um, he would like to keep a guy and train him all year before you need him. We saw it with, yeah. C- with Cyber, and then he ends up getting a job with the Lions. So you know, credit to Simmons for that uh I just think with a punter, you probably don't have to worry about someone picking him up. If he wants to keep punting on the side and and you know get some tips from Simmons on the side, I don't think that's against the rules at all. Right? You just don't have to worry about it. If your punter goes down, you give him a call. You say you're ready to go. Yep, and then you sign him.
1: Yeah, I I, I hope so because I mean that that now like I said, Kevin, Kevin here didn't do anything to lose his job. It's it's nothing against him. I just that that kid's got a leg, and I think he's he's gonna be a a, a future, a definitely a future NFL kicker for some team. Hopefully it's the Bengals. So we talked about the offense. We talked about defense. Before I get to Jack by Joey. Let's talk about the offensive line and where we're at now. Um, I think if you would have told me back in March or April that Xavier Seraphilia and Quentin Spander be our guards, a lot of Bengals fans would be like, Oh, well, that stinks, that's not what we wanted. I think we're going to be okay, I think they're adequate guards. I honestly, my opinion is I would not be surprised by the bye week. That either Jackson Carmen or both Deontay Smith, both of them, might be our two starting guards. At least one of them, I think, will be our, our starting at guard after the bye week. I said potentially both of them. What's your thoughts on
2: Spain and and um, and uh, and Carmen and, and Smith too? Yeah, I like your point there. About if you would have told us this maybe before uh, before training camp and the or uh, before preseason camp before the draft before free agency. We would have said, what, you didn't sign a guy? You didn't draft a guy? How did this happen? Uh, Well, they did draft a guy. They drafted two, and they're not ready to start yet. I thought both looked good in preseason, though. I mean, Carmen had to have developed through through weeks one to three in preseason because he went from jump setting everything and trying to get on top of guys looking off balance to, I don't know, actually, he looks like he can play, and he might play quicker than I thought. Uh, Remember, he had back surgeries, transitioning from left tackle to right guard, and he was never really that Good, in my opinion. I thought he was – he had the traits, the qualities, big, strong. He moved well. Um, Right. You know, but, like, in terms of being a technician, I never saw that with him at at Clemson. So, I think he's going to have to take to the coaching, and we've heard he's got to be a pro, he's got to get in shape, these things like that, you know. Great. If all that happens and you can work on his technique inside, he can be a good player. I mean, those those big, strong guys that can move, that's what you want there, and he's young. So, the surprise really was Deontay Smith, right? I mean – Yep. (laughs) When I saw him, I'm like, this guy looks like a tackle. He's barely 300 pounds. He's got long arms uh, and he's coming from a small school. Maybe he turns into like an Anthony Collins type where you can start him if you need, but he's a backup on both sides. And he can give you, you know, a guy goes down, he can give you six games and you can get out of there. But I'm thinking like, man, he looks like a good guard and he looks like he can back up tackle. Maybe he will play. Maybe that's. Maybe they got a gem, you know, and it's we could use one. We haven't had one in a while, it feels like. So it would be nice to get one on day three again. And if he is, Mm -hmm. that would be – man, what a huge boost that would be. From what I just said of, man, what happened at guard? And if we were saying this in April versus if we get to November and both those guys are starting and doing well, we're going to be like, good job. Good job.
1: That that would would be a hell of a draft. I mean, one one thing I'll I'll put it this way is is one thing I noticed is is, uh, in – I think it was the – was it the Washington game or, or the Buccaneers game? Okay, the lower the Spain got out he's pulling around and he got he got the uh, the holding call.
2: Yeah. Washington. Um,
1: yeah, Washington, that's what it was. I'm sitting there, I think Deontay Smith is, is more athletic. He'd get out there quicker and would would ha- would it wouldn't be a holding. I mean, I don't even really know if it was holding or not, to be honest. It's kind of a ticky tack call. But either way, I'm saying he would be out there, he's more athletic and faster to get out there it wouldn't be an issue. That's where, that's where he has impressed me. I mean, when they drafted him, I started watching some of his tape of the, the the senior bowl and stuff like, wow, he doesn't look that bad. Now I'm a Bearcat fan. He played in East Carolina. I never paid attention to him. You know, (laughs) I I had no clue who he was, but the more I saw of his tape and stuff I saw from the uh, senior bowl, I, I thought maybe we have our, our future right tackle, but now I think we might have a future guard. And if you get, both your guards in one draft along with your starting wide receiver. That's a hell of a draft right there. If you ask me,
2: that was the argument for taking chase. Wasn't it? Is that we feel like this is a deep O-line class and we can find guys. We need guards. I mean, this is we're we're repeating exactly what everyone who said, take chase because you can find guards. They need guards and they, you can find them on day two and day three. Mm -hmm. If they do, then great. Good job. I mean, because my initial reaction after that draft and second round was whoo, I don't know if they nailed this. The plan was there. I don't know if they stuck the landing. And now I'm kind of going the other way a little bit here of, okay, let's see these guys. Maybe that's the excitement of the season, right? Everything is yeah. right now. You know, like I said, <laughs> it's, it's, it's preseason. We got to wait and see what happens, you know, so, but. Yeah. Right. You, you, and that's, that, that's fine. That's where we're at. We should yeah. have, when there's hope, let's, let's feed on hope. And yeah, we're, we're, we're
1: being positive. This, this right. is the positive good, right. Joe
2: Goodberry side. When it's time <laughs> to be negative, I will be right there with you saying, they need to fire this guy. They got <laughs> to right. do this. And Why that. are you Obviously. doing
1: that? Oh my God.
2: <laughs> exactly. It, it, right. It, now now's not the time for that. Let's go out right. there and let's, let's, let's hope for the best for everything. Exactly.
1: All right. So let's get down to the man, Jackpot, Joey Burrow. And, the interview that's I think coming up this Sunday on ESPN and the excerpt that I or two excerpts that I like about it is they asked him uh, if he had any worries about his knee. And he said no. And they asked him about the knee brace. He goes, I don't like it. It's bulky, but, you know, something I got to deal with. Hopefully I won't have to deal with it my entire career. The one I really like is when they ask him for his expectation for this season. Without hesitation, he's at playoffs, win a division. And to me... Again, that's not cocky, that's just confidence in what he expects to do. And I like that about him because I don't think every quarterback coming into their second year after major knee surgery is going to throw it out there on a national TV show saying I expect to make the playoffs and win the division. That's that's a pretty big call, I think.
2: And you know, I, that one word is the one we I think I want to hammer. I want everyone to be on board with it's expectation. It's mm-hmm. I expect yeah, we can, you know, we can have our doubts with the O-line or the defense or whatever you want to pick. I mean, and whatever arises, because things will change as players get injured and things happen throughout the year. We can have our doubts with that. We almost don't have any doubts with Burrow and his confidence and his his ability and, and where we think he's going to go. Uh, and the expectation for a year two quarterback is that they take a good step in the right direction. And you go back and look at history of year two quarterbacks. Not only does their production and ability go up and their stats go up and their quarterback rating, I think on average goes up nine points, which would put him at a 99 or 100. You tell me Earl's going to have a hundred quarterback rating. Well, you know, I'm telling you what that means. That means they're competing for 500, if not better. And, and, and that's a good thing. We tell want me that. For that. Right? That. Exactly. So if, <laughs> If those things happen and he takes an average step up, and he may be not an average type of guy, he yeah. may take a little more. If that's the right. case, we're talking Carson Palmer 05 type situation. Now, expectations. We shouldn't sit here and go six wins will be nice. You know, seven will be nice, and we'll figure out the defense. I hate that talk. I don't like it. Right. Say they should win nine games. Say they should win ten games. Say they should be fighting tooth, claw, nail, for the Browns and the Ravens and the Steelers for this division. And if you fall short, fine, but we shouldn't come into the year and say, well, I just hope they have a decent year. Right. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing too, with the national narrative. So many people uh,
1: picked the Bengals to win less than we won last year. I'm like, how? I'm like, I, I don't, I mean, I, dude, if anybody picks the Bengals to only win three games, they need to be fired. <laughs> They're just not looking at what the talent we have. Cause I know, Jay Morrison did an article on The Athletic, and I don't remember who he interviewed, but it was somebody, quote-unquote, expert. And this gentleman was like, well, I don't know what the, the Bengals, what they want to do in offense. I'm not really sure where they're trying to go on defense. You know, ah, it's the Bengals. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you haven't done no homework at all because right. they have Jamar Chase. They're going to spread it out. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to have uh, J- Joe Mixon come out of the backfield. Our defense is going to be ru- run-stop oriented try to you know try and, and try to get pressure from the outside. I mean, you. I, if I know that, I, I don't get paid for this. They should know that. So there's no. I just. I will be absolutely shocked if we are not at least. I mean, at least nine wins. I mean, I. I, I always do everything with my orange colored sunglasses, which I have, to, I have to put them on here while I say this. But okay, <laughs> All right, there you go. I think the Bengals are going to go eleven and six. That's what I have. That was my preseason prediction. Nice. You know, that was back when the uh, schedule came out. People said nuts, but. I really do think at least nine, 10 wins. I think they got a shot at it. They should
2: have, I mean, we should at least expect it and demand it. We should right. be sitting here, the money they've spent free agency, the amount of picks they've dumped on offense. If this offense is not good, we got a problem and a mm-hmm. bigger problem that we don't want to talk about and face right now. And that's not something I'm even enter- want to entertain for a split second. All right. And so like I get frustrated with fans that um, are choosing to be negative at, at this juncture. Like I said, there yes. is a time for being critical. It is not right now. And so for me, you know, I, I look at things like, okay, this offense could be explosive. Burrow could take another step in development. Uh, we expect him to. They've raised the floor on the offensive line. Uh, I think your point makes a lot of sense in terms of they would have probably won three more games had Burrow been there last year. If they go 7-8-1, and one, yeah. The National media, and you know what, that's the that is probably a whole bigger conversation. Is why do we care so much about the national media talking about because that? I'm as I'm sick
1: and tired. I know what, I'm sick and tired of hearing them say this crap and they don't even pay attention to what's going on. Exactly. That drives me nuts. I mean, Florio still <laughs> he literally said on his show that they are making Joe Burrow start on his, in that last preseason game. I said, No, they're not. Burrow wants to play. I'm like, and he's still trying to do the narrative that Burrow doesn't want to be here. That's the stuff that blows my freaking mind. I get, I right. get sorry,
2: let me interrupt you. But no,
1: you're right. I get so sick and tired of that.
2: No, you're right. And it's the lazy analysis or the very shallow analysis. I went back and looked at all the Bengals uh, playoff berths from 05 to 2015, and I looked at where they were ranked at uh, ESPN power rankings before the season. I mean, there were times they were 18th, 24th, 27th. They were 32nd one year, and they and they made the playoffs, guys. <laughs> So, like, you got to understand, they don't put us under the microscope. They don't look very hard at this team. They don't look very – one analysis said, well, they're the Bengals. And I'm like, yes, that's what they will say. It's okay. We yeah. can't worry about it. No, What it does is it makes it harder to have a conversation with a non-Bengals fan, right? <laughs> because, like, that gets frustrating because yes. they, they don't care. They, yeah. they, they, they may watch ESPN or or whatever, the NFL Network, and get a snippet of what the Bengals are, but those networks aren't covering them the way, you know, a lot of us do. And right. so it, it, that conversation could be very tough to try and convince them uh, of, of why their team isn't absolutely trash because the Bengals beat them. I'm right. dealing with that this week with Vikings fans. They're like, if the Vikings lose to the Bengals, blow it all up. And I'm like, Dude, <laughs> listen, guys, this is much closer to a coin flip game than yeah. you think. Like, relax. You don't got to exactly. go that far.
1: Exactly. It, the, like, that's what cracks me up, too. Is, and, like, uh, let's just do a, cor- a quarterback comparison of Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow. And I know you're going to say, well, Joe Burrow hasn't played a full year. I don't care. Joe Burrow had a better college career than Kirk Cousins did at Michigan State. To me, if they're playing at their highest level, both of them, Joe Burrow is way better than Kirk Cousins. And that's why I'm at the 11 wins because 90% to 95% of these games, I think we have the better quarterback. And this is a quarterback-driven league. So if you have the better quarterback, you're going to win. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. He has, you know, he's done a lot of winning with not a lot of talent around him, right. to be honest. I don't want that to happen to Joe Burrow. I want to always have talent. But that's right. what I am saying, you have that quarterback. You got that toy. You got that thing that everybody wants. And that's where we're, we're not getting enough credit as to, to, for how great Joe Burrow can be. And I think he will be. Well, I think
2: that's the point, right? If if Burrow is exactly who he was last year, with a little bit of recovery from his from his knees, so maybe he comes out a little slower, rusty. And uh, the honest truth is, he wasn't good enough last year. They need to hit on deep balls. They need to yes, be yes. more con- more consistent with that. You can't have a good offense without splash plays, and they really were trying to do that last year. And they're scoring twenty three points a game with Burrow, uh, without hitting anything deep, anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're missing yep. multiple touchdowns per game by by missing these throws. All I'm saying is they got to hit on one of those each game, and now they're scoring 30 points a game. That's that's why. How when we look at it, we go, I think we got the better quarterback in like 12 out of 17 of these games here, or at least comparable right. in, in most of those. Uh, and that's when it starts to turn into coin flip games. And while other people may see it and go, "Well, you know, Burrow, who he was last year, coming off an injury, we expect Kirk Cousins to be the better quarterback." We're sitting here like, I don't think so. And don't be shocked if Burrow is much better than Cousins in Week One because we're because that's our team, because we're going to be a little hopeful. I do see right. how it could right. be a little I, bit of a struggle for Burrow.
1: I, 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 can, I can see where Vikings fans have said it, but if you look at Cousins, I mean, all right, because the Vikings, their way they run their offense, they're not going to put the ball in Cousins' hands to win it. They want Dalvin Cook to have it. Bengals, everything runs through Burrow. Right there, right. that just the way the team and the head coach runs it
2: tells you Who's a better quarterback? I think. Oh, I agree. But the, the I've used this point before, and actually, it, it started when Andy Dalton was the quarterback. Because so I'd say they're getting good quarterback production, they're not getting good quarterback play, and there's a difference there. Um, they're getting great quarterback production with Kirk Cousins right now in Minnesota. It's because they're heavily reliant on the run game. They don't let the whole line really kill them too much, and they've got fantastic receivers. So they scheme. They you know they bootleg. They'll hit a, a deep crosser to Adam Thielen, and they're feeling really good. Uh, where the, as the Bengals are, they want Burrow to make plays and they want him to create and they want him to be the difference maker in the game. And I think that's, like, you look at these two O-lines, the Vikings are actually, in my opinion, worse. They're going to give pressure up a little bit more, but the Vikings offense isn't going to allow the O-line to be vulnerable that many times. Right. Maybe like five to eight times a game, they're going to say, okay, you can now pass rush us without some play action or something going on. Whereas the Bengals may say, all right, we're going to throw it 40 times. They feel, you know, they're like last year's offense. We're going to throw it 40 times. If 25 of them are going to be quick passes. You're not going to get anything on us, but you're going to get 15 chances to disrupt Burrow. And right. that's the difference. So can we outplay what the controlled system they're going to put Kirk Cousins in? Can Joe Burrow outplay that? I think he can. I just think it makes it a little bit harder when they've got, they've got a really good system there in Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Now, one thing I always say, when you're, you're bringing up Andy Dalton in the 5 straight playoffs and all that stuff. I, I always put to everybody this way. And I was an Andy doll, doll, I don't want to say apologist, but I kind of defended him because I'm kept I kept saying, yes, he's not a great quarterback, but who are you gonna get? You know, that was my that was always my thing. My and I always try to put it to people like this how big uh, a difference a quarterback makes. Just say you plug Joe Burrow in there in those five straight playoffs. We're winning a super we're winning a playoff game. Damn, we might win a super bowl with, the, mm. with those, especially in 15
2: with, with those t- with those teams. You know, it's funny because you know, I, it's it's hard because I was actually an Andy Dalton fan. But mm-hmm. I had to keep saying, you know, these rosters are really good. The staff is really good. They are extremely deep. It's We're getting held back a little bit by this quarterback here that really can't create outside of structure. And that's where the game was kind of starting to, just at that point, starting to mold into, right? That's right. how the Mahomes of the world and stuff are, are so dynamic. That's how uh, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson have the success they do. Those guys may not have been successful 15 years ago. Right. But the game has gotten to the point of, can you create when things break down? And if you can, you're gonna you're gonna cause a lot of problems for good defenses. Dalton really couldn't do that ever. And I, I think a lot of people when they saw Burrow, even for his nine and a half games last year, I had a lot of people that came to me and go, you know, I see the difference right away. Like, right. wow, I see I see what he's doing. Like the, the play is never over; it's never dead. They can have great coverage, and it doesn't matter. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of what we were saying for right. for a long time there. And it sucks to do because I. I remember those teams very fondly, 11 to 15. Oh, I love those, those teams. It's right, just, and, it, and, and we will.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to, oh God, I wanted to win a playoff game so bad There, just to say, look, see? <laughs> but it didn't right. happen. But uh, let's get into uh, the AFC North. Um, now the Ravens, excuse me, I cussed my own show. The Ratbirds have had a lot of injuries here. Hell, they ended practice early yesterday because they had back-to-back knee injuries. Now they picked up Le'Veon Bell. He hasn't done pretty much anything since he's left the, no. the squealers. Where do you think that puts the Ravens? I think this puts a lot more emphasis on Lamar Jackson and throwing and his throwing the ball. And I, I, I think you're with me on this. Lamar Jackson isn't that accurate of a quarterback. I'll take him in the pocket, not running, staying in the pocket and trying to beat us that way, they might have to do that more this year with with the injuries
2: they have. Yeah, you know what? I don't think the running back injuries are are that big of a deal at all for them. And and I'll tell you why. I think J.K. Dobbins was good. And I think them spending a high pick on Dobbins meant they were like, let's get really good at running back. Because they were putting Mark Ingram, who was older back there, they were putting Gus Edwards there. Oh, I forget the other guy's name that was running with Gus uh, the the first year that um, Uh, Lamar was out there. But he was getting like five and a half yards per carry. Right. You, you saw one like Michael Vick back in the day. With, with, when you have to defend a running back or a quarterback that can run that well, mm-hmm. it makes it extremely hard for the defense to really crash down on a running back. It opens back. The, cut, the cutback lanes, it widens the lanes because you kind of have to keep a guy always count 11 on 11 on defense rather than 11 versus uh, 10 because you're not worrying about the quarterback running at all. So their running game will be fine. I think it's, it's centered around Jackson, so they'll still be able to run it. Will they be able to run it as efficiently and effectively Maybe not. There might be a, a drop there because I think Dobbins was going to be really good for them. Mm-hmm. But Mark losing Marcus Peters really hurts their defense really, really bad. Not only is he a ball hawk, he makes it extremely hard to throw to that side in man and in zone. Uh, they shift the defense the other way and really let Peters do what he has to do on that one side. He's as important as anyone on that team. And, and so for me, that, that gives a glimmer of hope that, okay, maybe maybe Baltimore isn't going to be as strong on defense this year. Maybe they can't be as dynamic or as as uh, brave as they were the last couple of years. But I think if they ever wanted to get to the next level, now we don't want them to. We want Baltimore to crash and burn. But like I said about quarterbacks that can create, I don't think he has to be a tremendous passer. I think he has to be good enough. And I think this may – I mean, they've drafted – a bunch of receivers and tight ends the last few years now, and they just gave a, an extension to Mark Andrews. If these receivers get healthy, it's been a first-round pick, on Rashad Bateman. If he comes back and he's healthy, I like these, this receiving core much more. And they may be forced to pass the ball, and in that case, they could actually get a little bit more explosive and dangerous. That'll it, change the way they play, but it also doesn't mean that it's completely bad for them. Yeah, either way we
1: we go. I, I've said this before. I think the AFC North is one of, if not the toughest division in football right now. I mean, because I know everybody is putting the squealers above us and we're down at the basement, which is, I think is going to be completely wrong. But the Browns are, are probably got arguably one of the best offensive lines in football, which I hate to say anything nice about. And I said, I think keep cussing on my own show. I mean, the Clowns, uh, they have arguably one of the best uh, offensive lines in all of football, and their defense isn't that isn't bad. Now, the for me, when I've said this, the way to beat the Clowns and the Ratbirds Is I want the quarterbacks, and I say when I say quarterback, like I said, we got to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket, which is easier said than done. Yeah, but Baker, I want him making the decisions. I think the more you make him make decisions and not have to run the ball, because I heard this on NFL Network, uh, Bill Polian was saying that it's a a, it's a perfect system for Baker. You know, it's ball controlled running. You stop the run and you make Baker make the
2: decisions. I think you got a shot at
1: at him throwing throwing a couple of them to you.
2: You know, just the way I described the Vikings offense. Kevin Stefanski comes from there to Mm -hmm. Cleveland and they run the same exact scheme and it really helps Baker. It really stabilized him. It it took the ball out of his hands at times. And when he was making wild decisions, because Baker is a risky dude, he's he's brave out there. And I mean, that's fun for them, but it also leads to mistakes. Right. And so I think they wanted to corral him a little bit and say, okay, we like your talent. You're the number one overall pick for a reason. We're going to, we're going to put a little bit of training wheels on you and make sure that you, you just don't go wild out there. And it's worked for them very, very well last year. But I, I don't think it's any surprise because then here the Steelers are, whereas they're losing their quarterback to old age. Uh, they go and draft the first round running back. Right. So look at these other three teams in the division. They are built and designed to run the football again. Yep. I think the Steelers will transition back to that. I mean, you don't spend a lot of have to. Yeah, they have to, right. It's, good. Yeah. it's inevitable. I think that's why they spent the pick. So, the Bengals, what if they signed on defense? A big nose tackle and gave out all that money to DJ Reader. He's good yep. against the run. Uh, BJ Hill and Ogunjobi are both good against the run. They drafted two or they signed three corners that are willing to come up and tackle and play good against the run. Von Bell, good better against the run than he is the pass. He was fine against the pass last year, but, I mean, that, his forte is coming down and filling the run and, and being an extra guy in the box. Uh, really, the only guy they didn't add that is, has – a long history of being good against the run was Trey Hendrickson. So they they knew they needed a pass rusher, so they they went for that there. But Sam Hubbard's one of the best defensive ends against the run. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a 3-4 defense largely when you're playing against these teams, Baltimore, um, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. And they're going to let Reeder at nose tackle, Joby at the 3-tech, and the 2-I the or the 5-tech depending on how they want to play it. Um, it will be Josh Tupou, and maybe we'll get some BJ Hill in there too. That's a lot of beef. I'm more mean, mm-hmm. talking, you might even get Tyler Shelvin in there a little bit and get 700 pounds <laughs> yeah. in the middle of that field. Right. That makes it harder to run now. And now those teams, you're going to hopefully get these offenses that don't want this. You're going to get them in third and seven situation, third and six. The quarterbacks have to drop back and throw. And yeah. there's a lot that I think people forget. And just not NFL. Football games are largely dependent on the game script. And what I mean is if this team is third and three all game or or second and four, you don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. They can hit you with play action. They can run draw plays. They can do anything they want to you at any time. But if you can get them them behind the sticks, right? Right. If you can get a holding penalty, if you can get a a pressure on the quarterback's face on first down, now they're in disadvantaged situations where you can tee off on them, pin your ears back. You can send blitzes. Same works for offense. The Bengals had to throw away half their offensive playbook at times last year because right. they were always trailing. They always had to throw it or guys were injured and you had to you know, work around that. Same goes for their defense. There were so many times where they're like, we're getting beat. They're running on us. We got no pressure packages we can even send. We're just getting run over here and we just have to take it and hopefully uh, get a stop in the red zone. So I think game script is important. The Bengals are going to want to control on offense, but on defense also make you get in this more third and longs than they've been able to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and the thing you brought up with a uh, big Ben there getting getting older, get the, getting to the national narrative cracks me up. Is uh, he made a, a a pump fake, you know, where he threw it, held onto the ball, and then they went nuts. Like, oh my goodness, he looks like the old Ben I'm Like, good guy, give me a break. <laughs> Their offensive line, I think, is worse than the Bengals, and they want to run the ball, and that's where I'm like, and that's another thing where they drafted a running back. Oh, that's a great pick. No, it's not. <laughs> you, need, right. you need an offensive line, but that, that's where I I, I I think the Squealers are going to take a step back, but I have us splitting with everybody. I mean, I, I think we split with everybody in the division. I don't I don't think we're 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 gonna sweep anybody. I'm hoping we uh, you know we don't get swept by by the ravens right. or, or, or the uh, browns or anything like that, but I think it's it's gonna be a very, very tight contested division this year, and I agree with what you're saying. With the Bengals, they have to keep them off script, and that has got to start with the running running um, defense up front. And Tyler Shell, do you think he's going to be a factor as much? I mean, at first, when we first got him, i like, wow, this dude's big. You know, he's big, you know, he's athletic, but he hadn't played for a year, so I, I don't know where where you're at on Tyler Shelvin?
2: You know, he's a nose tackle, and and typically those guys are. Not as valuable as the guys that are going to disrupt the pass. Obviously, you know right. you, you need them. You need them because they free up your other players to make plays. So, um, Shelvin did that a lot at LSU without getting credit for any of uh, any of the impact plays that could be made around him because that's just the role of the nose tackle. You're there right. to eat bodies in space. Uh, having said that, typically. You don't have two nose tackles active on game day. You'll have DJ Reader, and then if something goes down, you'll slide Josh Tupou over, and you'll work that way. Joby's played it in Cleveland. He can slide over, and you change up what you do. Normally because you just don't have that many D-tackles out there. It's a passing league. A lot of times you'll play with two in a base defense and one in your nickel package, and you'll try and get after the pass rusher or get after the passer. Uh, I think there are games like Cleveland, like Baltimore. Maybe Pittsburgh, if they look, really have to start leaning into the run, uh, as I expect them to, is when you say, all right, we may need an extra D tackle. We may need another nose tackle here um, active on, on, on game day. And that's where I think Sheldon has a role. But I think when you go play the Chiefs, no, he's not yeah. going to be active. You're, you're, just, you're not going to use him. He'll never get on the field. So it'll probably be a game-by-game situation. But that goes to, to me where I, I, I'm i very excited about this team is the depth.
1: I mean, right there, how you're, you're talking about the defense line and the, and the depth we have. It's I mean, Mike Daniels. He's on the practice squad. He started how many games for us last year? Right. So the depth is, is, I won't say phenomenal, but there are, it's a lot better than it
2: was last year. So defensive I mean, tackle was bad last year. I mean, they, yes. they were pulling guys off the streets to go play. And literally, uh, you know, right. No, seriously. I, I and mean, yes. if you're, I hope you're a fan of a different team, you're watching this going, really? No, come on. No, really. They <laughs> no, didn't really. And, and yeah. it, was, it was bad. And so just having guys now that you, I mean, being the fourth guy being Shelvin. And if you got to dip in even further to the Breck squad and, and Mike Daniels, I mean, you got to feel much better about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, you have been on for almost an hour. I appreciate you. And
1: I know I saw this on Twitter and I, I forgot. I want to bring this up earlier to you earlier for you but uh you are going to the uh jags game for the uh, ring of honor and people if they want to can sit in your
2: section yeah the bengals reached out about that and said we you know we we think it'd be fun to get a lot of -of out-of-town bengals fans to pick a game and go to it you know if you're if you don't live in cincinnati or or in the the area you really don't get a lot of get to go to a lot of the events they put on and things they put on you really can't get season tickets so if you're going to make one trip a lot of us have decided a lot a lot of social media I don't even know what to call it. Guys, people, personalities, <laughs> yeah. whatever it's called. But they, they reached out to a lot of them after after I talked to the Bengals and said, you know, let's get a section. Let's clear it out. If you want to buy through their link and come to that game and make a trip, you got four weeks still to do it, three I guess kind of now, um, come and sit and have a game and have a beer and let's watch it.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I will be there because I have to see his tickets, but I'm in section 158. And the other thing I'm trying to get out to Bengals fans who go to uh, the game on Sunday, which hopefully it will be sold out, and we didn't even get to this part, but we get to it next time. Um, Ken Riley and Ken Anderson obviously didn't make the pro football hall of fame. We both agreed that they should be. Um, and I'm shocked that Ken Riley didn't, but anyway, to show our supports, and this I'm not taking credit for this, it was Bengals captain, uh, his his idea that everybody, if you can, wear a 13 or 14 shirt, hat, jersey, something, you know, to show the support that you know. Ken Riley got jobbed. He should, I don't know how you go from being runner up to, I don't even know if he's even on the list this year right. to, to make it. So that's where I, I'm trying to put that out there that everybody, we were, we were 13 or 14 and just so support to Ken Riley and Ken Anderson.
2: I think it's a great idea, especially, uh, and, and that may work also on, on that Thursday night game versus the Jags when they finally unveil the Ring of Honor. and uh, Exactly. You know, do it, do it again there. I'd like to get a Ken Riley jersey, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I've tried to get one. I'm, I'm, I'm working on getting one. I, I know Ken Riley. Uh, the second row, well, I don't know. Him. I mean, I have to head on my show or whatever. And, and he's like, yeah, I used to have a whole bunch of them. I gave them all away. I'm like, damn it. I wish I would have known <laughs> you sooner. <laughs> I would like to have them. Anyway, Joe, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody where they can follow you. I'd say what podcast you're on, but you don't do that anymore. You just show up on everybody's podcast.
2: I just come <laughs> hang out. That's all I'm doing now. I'm just a right. fan here to to talk football and talk shit to uh, some other uh, fan bases here. So uh, exactly. you, you can blur me out there if you need to. But uh, <laughs> right. at, at Joe Goodberry, just how it sounds there. Not Goodberry Ice. I changed my name down here. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, oh, Goodberry
1: Ice.
2: ice. <laughs> <laughs> you got Strawberry Ice, Goodberry Ice. Let's go.
1: I didn't
0: even see that. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. <laughs>
1: I'll pay attention to the camera and all this stuff going on. I didn't even see that. That's great. So it's, it's Joe Goodberry, not Joe Goodberry ice. Got it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, Hey, when you come in town, definitely uh, hit me up. I'll have to meet you in person for the first time. Yes, sir. We'll do
2: Jeff. Take care man.
1: All right, brother. Who day? Who day? All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, if you haven't followed Joe Goodberry, you should definitely be following him. He's a, a lot. He's a good follow for, uh, Bengals content and, uh just a lot of, like I said, a lot of crap talking. He has a lot of fun. It's it's fun to follow him. All right, guys. Let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Bengals Nation, Hootay Legion, Cincinnati Bengals the Jungle, Bearcat Country, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home, the. V- Ohio State, Bucknuts, The Ice Bar. And you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, TikTok Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Chernobyl. TikTok, I'm at Iceman99. I got to bring this up here really quick. And I wanted to do that before I started getting into the Facebook groups, but I forgot, but that's okay. Today is a historical, monumental day for the University of Cincinnati. My Bearcats are officially in the Big 12. I'm very excited for that. Uh, it's official. They announced it. I think 2023 is probably when they're going to start. I can't wait for it to get here. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, the basketball conference is going to be legit. The football is going to be legit. It's going to be I, – I like it. I'm not going to have to sit on here and defend our schedule or defend our our conference to people anymore, and I know SEC is still going to be like, "Oh, we're SEC." I think eventually that's all going to blow up in their face because, my opinion, they're not going to have four SEC teams in the Final Four. They're only going to let two at the most. So all these teams that want to hurt them go to the SEC. You're all not all of you're going to go to the Final Four. So that's where I think it's smarter to stay in smaller conferences sometimes. What do I know? I'm just got out of the YouTube channel. I'm just happy it happened and I'm happy that UC is in the Big 12. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Hopefully, Luke is still there by the time we get there. I think he will be. Uh, I'll be pulling a set off later on tonight and putting it on the podcast. You can check it out on Bead Pod, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, I think, is one. I uh, I'm not on iHeart yet. You guys should go on iHeart request me on iHeart I I Podcast. That'd be great. Uh, YouTubers, my originals. We're at 1,357. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If it wasn't for the very first person that liked my show, I wouldn't be doing this. So keep liking, keep subscribing, keep supporting the show. And as my boy, Jeremy Dimebag Ds Nuts would say remember one thing and one thing only and that is
0: I'm from the streets of cincinnati welcome to the jungle
1: i love that thing and that's just sports baby see ya let's go
0: Stay black in the night ooh, yeah. Stripes in our veins, sparks gonna fly ooh, yeah. The beast is awake, orange, black, and white Cause when the jungle come alive Ooh, ooh day, day. we ignite uh, Stripes, Cincinnati we gon' rise in awe uh, in the jungle we unite in uh, uh, dripping orange and black and white